Today we're looking at some reasons why people don't go to church. And I can start by saying that this is part of the problem. We go to church, something that was completely impossible in the New Testament. Welcome to Run With Horses. My name is Norman and my goal is to help you thrive as a disciple of Jesus. God is working to grow you into the image of Christ and He will complete His work. What a joy to know that that doesn't depend on us. I have to say, it seems like we often struggle in so many ways just to complete simple obedience. Okay, let's go to church. We already have a problem when we say that, and words matter. And I think for too long, we have had that mindset where we go to church. Well, church is not a place. The church is a group of people called out by God, gloriously saved by a son, and united through the indwelling of the Holy Spirit. You cannot go to church. If you are genuinely saved by faith through grace, you can choose not to use your spirit-given gifts to strengthen and build up the family of God, the bride of Christ, his glorious church. Avoiding time with God's family will keep you from serving his church. But let's call that what it is. That's disobedience. But you cannot go to church. The church is not a building that can be taken away or a service that can be scheduled. The church can meet in a building or under a tree. The church can meet in a large group with thousands or in a coffee shop with three. It can meet at midnight. It can mean at noon. It can mean at eight o'clock in the morning. There is no set time or place or number of people. You cannot go to church. And if that is what you have been doing, you are part of the problem. Because if you can go to church, you cannot go to church. <laughs> if your life, your family, your community, and yes, even your church are to change, we have to stop going to church and start being the church. Every day, in every house, on every street, in every town, in every nation, we are the church of the true and living God. I think until we grasp that, we're going to have this question and this problem. And a lot of people are asking it prior to 2020 and COVID and all of the distractions of 2020 to 2022 with COVID and politics and all those things. Before that, there was a slow decline in people getting together and people attending church. I don't like that word either. Why is that? What were their excuses? That's really what we're asking. What were their excuses? And we do need to look more at what the church is supposed to do and be. But today we are kind of looking at that question that a lot of people in ecclesiology and in the church realm have been asking, why don't people go to church? I'd say because they're asking the wrong question is part of the problem, but we're going to avoid my little ranting as much as we can today and look at some reasons why people are not getting together with a church body and some of the things that are really, it's a change of, of mind. It's a mindset. It's a, a way of thinking that has to change. We have to look at the church the way it is, not the way it used to be or the way that we wish it was or the way that we often talk about it as a place to go. So let's look at some of the reasons why people don't go to church. And I got most of these. There's been several studies that have been done in different places. 
I took these from uh, churchhelper.net, which had a short article called Why People Don't Go to Church, which gave seven reasons, and they seem to cover the big ones that all of these kind of surveys typically cover, cover. So I thought I just would use theirs. I didn't use any of their answers or solutions or any of the comments. I just used the main points, and then uh, I'll interpret those as I do, and uh, we'll look at our own solutions. Number one, why people don't go to church. They deem the church irrelevant. And I would say if you considered the church a, a time and a place, you're probably right. The church is largely irrelevant. Uh, if the church is the building that sits on the corner that you go to for an hour once a week, it's largely irrelevant in your life. And particularly if you have limited your time with those people to that time period. Yeah, I can totally understand why someone would believe that the church is irrelevant. It's not a social club. It's not meant to be a social club. It's not meant to be a hobby. It's not meant to be a part of your life. And we're really good in America, just as humans, I think, in compartmentalizing. And when we do that with God's family and put the church in a box, it doesn't fit in a box very well. And when we cram it in there, we often will find out we don't like that it fits in there. It's, it doesn't serve its purpose there. We're not happy with it. And it's easy to come to that conclusion that the church is irrelevant. It doesn't, when it's in that box, it, it doesn't work for me. Well, the church is a group of people who are bought and paid for with the blood of Jesus. We have to understand that. It's not that building. It's not that time. It's not those activities that happen at that time. It's not one day a week or two days a week. It's this group of people. And as long as we limit our understanding of the church to this time and this place and this building, these programs, it's hard for those time, place, programs to perfectly fit all that's going on in your life all the time for everybody it is going to be irrelevant to you, at least for part of your life. And that's just true. And I know a lot of pastors and people might not like to know, know that or think that, but it's true. You are not going to be able as a pastor to knock it out of the park, every sermon for everybody all the time. There are going to be people who have matured past where you're preaching and your sermons are boring to them. They could have taught what you're teaching your sermon. I'm sorry, that's true. And if you're not doing that, if you don't have people in your church like that, what that means is you're not helping enough people mature to the point where they, they are that place. We want everyone to be mature enough uh, to be fully following Jesus on their own. We don't want them dependent upon us as church leaders. So you want to have people where, yeah, this message is something that they could have taught, but they're not coming for that message to get something new because they need this to live. They're coming to serve. They're coming to use their gifts to build up this beautiful people, God's church. Well, if we misunderstand what the church is and we misunderstand that, okay, Jesus bought us he paid for us with his blood. And as that group of people, he has placed us into his family. Well, the church is instantly relevant if you understand the mission of Jesus in the world. You know, sermons can be theology without application, and that's a problem because everyone in your church cannot take just the theology and run with it. A lot of people can, and as they mature, more people can. But you know, I've talked before about um, the idea that we have spiritual infants, children, young adults, and parents, and I would say grandparents too. And I got this from Jim Putman in his book, Real Life Discipleship. 
Uh, a lot of his material uses that uh, progression. I, I like it because it's simple, it's easy to understand. But if you think about it, a lot of our sermons are, they're true and they're deep. We have pastors that, you know, they have PhDs, they have DMINs, and they're using Greek and Hebrew in their sermons. But they have a church that is made up largely of infants and children spiritually. <laughs> well, spiritual infants and children cannot take that kind of sermon and just instantly apply it. Most people, particularly those who are infants and children, need or at least will benefit from some discussions about the passage or topic that allows them to see how it works out in their life. They need a little time to process it. And we're often not giving people time to process it. And when we do that, when we continually giving them information, knowledge, without application, we are, one, we're building hypocrites unintentionally, but we're also helping them to see that this is really not relevant. I'm not expected to do anything with this. This doesn't change me. I just get this fire hose of information and it doesn't do anything for me. So we've taught them that the church is irrelevant and that is part of our problem as the church and church leaders. So we have to begin to look at the church differently. The church is relevant. God's word is relevant, but it takes some time and it takes some effort and it takes getting out of this one hour a week mindset. We need an ongoing discussion going on in the church, throughout the church, throughout the week, as we talk to each other about how we're living out the truths of God's Word. If we're not doing that, then we're not really acting as the church. We may go to a place where the church is gathering. We may be there with the church, but we're not acting as the church. We're not living out the one another's. You know, as much as I, I say it, and you probably get tired of hearing it, the one another's are a great way to look at how well we're doing in the church. Do we live out that relationship? where we're teaching one another, comforting one another, encouraging one another, building one another up. Well, how are we doing that? Where are we doing that? We're not doing it at 1030 Sunday morning, I guarantee you. A couple of people might be, but in, our, in general, you're in a church of 80 people, 100 people, 300 people. Most people are not doing it in that hour. So where are they doing it? If they're not doing it and they're not part of that relationship, it's not happening. It's It's got to happen somewhere. If it's not, then yeah, that one hour is real irrelevant. And it's not being done anywhere else. So people are not growing. So they see the whole church experience as it's not helping me. It's not relevant to me. I'm not learning. I'm not growing. But it's because they see the church not as it is supposed to be, but they see this anemic version of the church that is tied to a building in a time and place where the church is not actively working throughout the week. That's a huge problem. The second one is they, a lot of people cite hypocrisy and moral failures of church leaders, and it seems like we're, we continually get these. Just one after another, there are people that just fail epically <laughs> and publicly. And the publicly is not a problem. I think when when leaders sin, it needs to be public. And personally, I think sometimes the church works to keep people out of the legal system. Hey, if a, a leader, a biblical leader, a pastor, deacon, I don't care who it is, some of the, the sins that are occurring, uh, they cross the line legally, they need to go to jail for it. And yes, I hope they confess and repent and are restored. But when they come out, they, I give them to the jail ministry. <laughs> and some of these things that, that leaders are doing, um, sexual failures and uh, things where they're, they're crossing lines that are 
they're legalized, <laughs> they need to go to jail when they cross that line. Um, it's straight up bad news when we have these these public moral failures of church leaders. It points to the need that we emphasize. We need to emphasize character as we train and prepare leaders. Too often, we're pushing people through this pipeline of getting, gaining knowledge and gaining some experience in kind of a corporate leadership thing, particularly in the larger churches. Uh, it becomes this this big corporate uh, entity. Bureaucracy and administration take up a lot of time and effort, and we're removing a lot of the character and spiritual requirements. We're not removing them, but we're de-emphasizing them, and I think that's a problem. We have to deal with sin in our lives. Confession, repentance, and humility have to be um, a daily part of the life of anybody that's in leadership. If it's not, we're setting them up to fail because absolutely Satan will attack those leaders and, and tempt them, and there will be a lot of opportunities for failure. Um, just kind of as a side rant, you know, we cannot allow the training and preparation of pastors and church leaders to be left to Bible college and seminaries. They, by default, have to focus on the knowledge part, the information. And that's great. We, we need those. I'm not saying those are wrong, but they're supplements to the church discipling and preparing leaders. They cannot replace the church's role. They're important. I, I agree that a pastor needs to go to Bible college. I'm not sure every pastor needs to get a D-man. I mean, we often have people that are overeducated, and they're they're not really disciple makers. They're not really pastoring. They are great preachers. They're great at expositing the Word, but they don't pastor anybody, and they've never discipled anybody. Okay, that person, to me, should not be a pastor. Can they be a teacher? Absolutely. And the church needs teachers. That Larger churches probably should have some of those guys functioning as teachers in the church, but recognize they're not shepherding. Recognize that they're not pastors. They are preachers and teachers, and that's great. They should learn to be disciple makers too, but if they're not shepherding, if they're not discipling, let's not call them a pastor. I think that's a problem. Uh, Maybe we need to look at the larger churches and consider having just administrators who do a lot of the business it's not supposed to be business, but it ends up being the business side of the church, the, the finances and all those things. Why does your number one spiritual leader need to be over that? He needs to be discipling the leaders who are over that and make sure that our spiritual concerns are kept first, but he doesn't need to be in the nitty-gritty of the finances and administration of the building and all those things. I think that's a distraction. I think it causes some of our problems. Side rant over. <laughs> Well, a lot of people, number three, they feel that God is missing in the church. And you can see this, how this could happen if we go back and think about, if you see that the church is irrelevant, well, yeah, if you don't see God there, that's they're going to be related. You you don't see God, this is probably irrelevant. And if, if God is not there, then the church is irrelevant. It's, it's not the church if God is not there. And often seeing leaders who are more focused on the here and now, the physical, instead of spiritual things. I mean, that leads to that idea that this is a temporal, this is more like a social club, and it has all the same uh, business leanings and all that. Well, that can, can really distract from God, so people can easily miss seeing God. I, I think the spectator church that we have uh, is so common today. You know, a lot of people go to these larger churches where they can they can be attenders. They can go and have their felt needs met. They can go and be part of something, but they're not actually doing anything. Well, the focus is not on God. I can easily not be on God. 
But God is, and, and that matters. He's holy, and that matters. So the church has to be focused on God. And when we are focused on God, it changes us. He changes us. That relationship with Him changes us. Now, biblical doctrine matters. We need to see God in His Word. We need to be looking for what is this teaching us about God and who He is and what He's doing and what He expects us to do. And really, all of doctrine is, should be taught from the standpoint of this is, this is God. And this is what He has revealed to us and is teaching us. Part of our the reason why we always emphasize our need to be in God's Word throughout the week daily is hearts that are prepared to follow Him daily are hearts that are prepared to worship Him. If God is missing in your life the rest of the week, God will likely be missing in your time with His family, or at least you won't see Him. You're not prepared to see Him because you haven't been with Him all week. Uh, he is a stranger to you, and you're not really looking for you for Him. You're looking for something else. Uh, and this is, you know, there's multiple avenues where I think this is an issue. But yeah, we can easily miss God even when He's there, and we can have church gatherings this church family gathering, people who are genuinely saved, but we put something else at the center. So we're focused on something that's not God or that God is part of, but he's not the center of, and that makes a difference. Well, number four is some people feel that legitimate doubt is prohibited. They're, they're not able to answer or ask questions, but you know God is big enough to handle our questions. Pastor's pride might not be, but God certainly is big enough to to handle our questions. And there are churches where the pastor, the leadership really kind of encourages people to keep their doubts to themselves. I don't think that's the right way to handle it. I I really like a quote by Spurgeon. He said, um, suppose a number of of people were to take take it into their heads that they had to defend a lion, full-grown king of beasts. There he is in the cage, and here come all the soldiers of the army to fight for him. Well, I should suggest to them, if they would not object and feel that it was humbling to them, that they should kindly stand back, open the door, and let the lion out. I believe that would be the best way of defending him, for he would take care of himself. And the best apology for the gospel is to let the gospel out. Well, I think this applies any time we're talking about God and his word. God speaks for himself. God's Word speaks for itself. What we need are more people who know God's Word, more people who are spending time in it. When people have questions, let's help them learn to look to God's Word. They don't need to look to me for answers. I don't have all the answers. I probably have different questions than you do. But as I've seriously looked at my questions, I get enough of my questions answered that I'm confident that God has the answers. And because of that, the the questions I don't get answered, I'm comfortable saying, when I get to stand in front of Him one day, any of those questions that are left unanswered that I want to know the answer to, I can ask and he'll answer and I'll be satisfied. So let's invite people to ask questions. God can handle it. You don't need to answer everyone's questions, point them to word, encourage them to ask God for answers. He's amazingly good at meeting people where they are and handling their doubts. Number fives. <laughs> I couldn't believe this one. It says, they don't learn about God or Jesus. I don't know what church this is true in, but it is shameful if it is true. How do you have a church that does not teach uh, God's Word? If you're not teaching God's Word, then you're, you're going to miss the whole God and Jesus thing. <laughs> but if the Bible is what you're teaching, I don't know how this could be true. I have heard of churches. They're not 
churches I would probably would go to, that you will have someone who is a speaker. I'm not sure if you'd call them a pastor who would get up and maybe they um, read a poem or have some article. They are they talk about politics or something else. Certainly, a church like that, I could not recommend uh, a, a group of people who are getting together to talk about those things. Okay, well then, some of these um, reasons people don't don't get together make sense. If someone is talking about a poem or about politics or all those are things, yeah, it, it might be irrelevant to their life. I could totally see that. Um, and to feel that God is missing when you're talking about who knows whatever that's not God, yeah, that that is absolutely a problem. So I, I don't know, I don't know what churches that happens in. It's certainly not in my circles. But if that's true, if you go to a um, if you go to a building <laughs> that the church owns and gather with a church family and that calls themselves a church, but they don't talk about God, they don't talk about Jesus, they're not trying to follow him, they're not studying his word, you probably should find another group to belong to because that one does not sound like it's actually a church because the church is God's and it focuses on him. Number six, they don't gain any significant or new insights about faith. Now, there are multiple reasons why this might be the case. You know, we have talked a little bit um, earlier just about sermons that are maybe, they're information, they're theological, but they're not, they don't give really good application, don't give that time for people to process it and meditate on it and work it into their life. Sometimes the truth is there, but it's still over people's heads because of where they're at in their spiritual life. They're spiritual infants and children. They're not ready for some of the things that the pastor is preaching because often the pastor preaches what's interesting to him. He's fascinated by these things. He wants to not be bored, so he he continually preaches at a level that's interesting to him that might not be where his flock is, that might not be where the church family needs. So that can be a problem. Other times, there's another issue that we often see. Someone that is a spiritual child, and they need to make steps to be a a spiritual adult, they have to begin to put some effort in themselves. They need to be growing, and part of that growth is pursuing Christ, pursuing Christ-likeness. Paul tells Timothy in Timothy chapter 6, but you, O man of God, flee these things and pursue righteousness, godliness, faith, love, patience, gentleness. Fight the good fight of faith. Okay, he's challenging Timothy to put some effort into his spiritual life. It's true that the church has people like the pastors. There are mature believers in the church who certainly should be helping the people around them to grow. They should be walking alongside them. You know, I continually talk about disciple-making is really the key of the church, and every member should be striving to be a disciple-maker, and that is walking alongside and helping other people. But at some point in time in that journey, the individual person has to recognize that I have to do something myself. I need to be engaged, not just passively receiving. I need to do what Timothy 6 says, flee some things in my life. There are things I need to leave behind because they are a distraction. They are keeping me from being what God intends for me to be. And then I need to pursue some things. Righteousness, godliness, faith. That's the first three there. I need to pursue the things that are going to help me be 
more like God, the things that He cares about. He tells us what that life looks like. You know, I, it's not complicated. Again, often, that's <laughs> the way I always put it, it's, it's not that it's hard to understand, it's that it's hard to do. It's not rock and science. Uh, the words are pretty simple, but man, it is hard to live out. And often people look at God's Word and they say, well, it's, I don't understand it. What they mean is they don't understand everything in it, therefore they don't want to apply any of it. The day-to-day living that is so hard, it's easy to understand what God expects from us. It's hard to live. And too often we're, we're too busy going on to things that God doesn't intend to be crystal clear. You know, there are a lot of things in the Bible that God doesn't give us a lot of details. And that's because God doesn't believe that you need to know that to live the life He has for you now. If He did, you would have more information. That's just the way it is. Even some of our theology, when we get into um, end times things, you know, it's it's not crystal clear. There are, there are honest theologians who disagree about end times because... It's a lot of things are only based on a couple of verses, and there's more than one way to to look at it. Somebody's going to get to heaven, and they're going to talk about it and go, "Hey, one of us was wrong," and they're it's going to be clear at that time. But the day to day life of a believer is not complex. It's it's really hard. <laughs> uh, if you think about just the one another's to to live that out in a body of believers who are imperfect, who are sinners, who are you know, they've got sharp edges, and they're going to cause you pain. So to live out those one another's in that body is difficult. It is very hard. But it's not complicated. God gives us the instructions about what that relationship should look like, what our faith should look like. And the words that He uses here to pursue that, I mean, that's an active action, put effort into it word. What this means is, Summary, practical obedience is part of our growth. Without it, we will stop learning. At some point in time, you just will get stuck because you're not putting into practice the things that God is saying. Our spiritual life is more than head knowledge. We have to live it or we'll struggle in our faith. Last one, number seven. People say they have trouble finding a community. Well, I would say you don't find community. You build it. And you're involved in this process. You have to be uh, engaged in the church, the life of the church. You have to be putting effort into being the church. You build community. There are other people who want that unity that the New Testament talks about, and they're willing to fight for it. Well, look for them and build that community. Even if if you go to a... Um, a large church, you, you gather with a large church family, you have a thousand people in your church. You're not going to know all a thousand people, but you can know 10 or 20 really well. You may have to seek them out. You may have to hunt hard. You may have to do a lot of work, but you can build that community around you. It's not easy, <laughs> but it's worth it. Thanks for joining me today. If you have thoughts or questions about your spiritual life or the church, write me at norman at runwithhorses.net. I'd love to hear from you. Why do you think people don't go to church? (laughs) I think there's no greater adventure than the adventure of faith and following Jesus with others. So whatever you do, don't quit. Keep running.